The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. You ready? First Kings. First Kings chapter 21. First Kings 21, find verse 17. I'm going to read from the New King James this afternoon. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. It's <laughs> a funny name. All right. Saying, Arise and go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and taken possession? You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you, and I will take away your posterity, and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation for which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the walls of Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. There is no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up and he behaved very abominably and followed the idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before Israel. Look at your neighbor and say, aren't you glad you came to church? All right, all right, good. It's not over yet. Now look at the next verse. You're like, that's kind of grim for the first of the year. I know. Look at verse 27. It gets better. And so it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, see how Ahab humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before me. I will not bring the calamity in his days. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done, as we said, in the first services now in the third. We pray and ask for your power to come. Come on, just lift your voice. Put your hand on your heart. Lift your voice and ask God to speak to you right now. Speak to us. Speak to us from your word. If you have the freedom to pray in the spirit, go ahead and do that. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
We do have notes for you. We'd encourage you to get those. And fill in the notes as we move along. Preached uh, two different messages this morning, uh, both of which will be available on the podcast. Uh, The first service was a different message that I preached in the second and now the third. The power of fasting and prayer in the series called Amazing Grace. Let me ask the question that I've been asked many times, why are we doing a 21-day fast? Do you know why we're doing a 21-day fast? Have you ever asked yourself the question? You said, well, we've been doing it for 30-something years. Well, it is a tradition, and some traditions are good, and some should probably be flushed. Uh, it's a tradition. That could be an answer, but it really isn't the real answer. Why, why, are we, why are we fasting and praying for 21 days? There's many reasons. But it's out of this text that you'll see some insights about the power of prayer and fasting. So look at the text. The kingdom's been divided because of Solomon's sin. Solomon, David's son, he sinned, had a thousand wives, took wives from other nations, and basically they caused him to become an idolater, and judgment came upon the wisest man, received wisdom from God. And the judgment was, well, the kingdom is going to be taken from you, snatched from you, but not in your lifetime for the sake of your father, David, which, which is amazing, that, that term, but for the sake of David. You see, even up to 370 years after the life of David, the blessings of David passing down to the generation that follows. You see, many times we think it's just our own lives. It is absolutely not just about your life and mine. It is absolutely about the lives that are followed. And many don't realize that actually your life has been greatly affected even by your forefathers. Those who've gone before. And so he sinned and the kingdom was divided north and south. Ten tribes of the north the south two tribes totaling the 12 tribes of Israel eventually the north was carried off and the south lasted a little bit longer and Ahab is king and he's an evil king together with his wife Jezebel led Israel into Baal worship and this Baal worship was a horrible thing. You can, in fact, you can read about that in the chapters before. Elijah had just called down fire on Mount Carmel and destroyed the prophets of Baal. And this takes place after. And in, you, if you read chapter 21, you find out this story that I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share with you, paraphrase it. Ahab's looking out the window of his palace and he sees a vineyard and he is excited. It's pretty, it's beautiful, and he wants it. He wants the vineyard. So he goes to make a deal with Naboth. And he says, Naboth, I want your vineyard. I'll give you money, whatever you want. I'll pay you for it. And Naboth says, I can't do it. He says, no, no, I'll pay you. No, I can't do it. It belongs to my family. You see, there's some things that are more important than money. Many things, in fact. And the heritage of Naboth and the land that was his was so important that there was no amount of money that the king could offer for him to give it up. There's a heritage 
that we have, that you have. Maybe you're the first generation as a believer. Praise God. Abraham was the first long line of idol makers. Praise God that you're a believer. You're creating a heritage for the generations to come should the Lord tarry. Well, Ahab can't persuade Naboth and Ahab heads home and puts on a pout and Jezebel says, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you, honey. I'll fix it. And she sends letters to the elders of the city there and tells them to throw a party, basically, and invite Naboth and invite these two scoundrels, two murderers. So they do. I mean, what are you going to do when the head priestess, Baal-worshipping woman of in charge of the whole nation, what are you going to do? I mean, they were, they were captive. So these two scoundrels, these two murderers at the party, stone Naboth. And they kill him, and he dies. And it is then that Ahab runs and takes possession of this vineyard that he wanted. And it's right in, basically in the midst of that, that Elijah comes and confronts Ahab. And what an awesome confrontation. Let me tell you that confrontation, there needs to come confrontation sometimes. You say, are, are you into confrontation? Yeah, I'm into it. I like it. Sort of made that way. You know, I'm not into confrontation for no good reason, but I'm going to stand on truth. I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand on the principles of the word. And sometimes people need to be confronted. And sometimes the enemy, you know, he needs to be confronted. If, an, if someone was to break into your house, do you think you would let them run roughshod all over your wife and kids, sir? Do you actually think you would do that? No, that's why I have a gun. I'm, I'm not afraid to use it. I can handle myself. I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. There comes times of confrontation. Evil cannot come over my house. Never. Right? So God speaks to Elijah and he confronts him. And in the confrontation, I mean, I love it because Ahab says, oh, have you found me, my enemy? It's like, you're darn right I found you. And you're, fi you're fixing to get, you're going to get flushed, pal. It's all over. And he pronounces judgment over him. I mean, it's a, big, it's a major deal because this is Elijah. This is the guy who called down fire. He's standing there with the king. He says, yeah, I found you. Here's what the Lord says. Can you imagine being Ahab? Ah, ah, it's Elijah. Pronounces judgment over Ahab and his family. In fact, the, the text says, verse 21, I will bring calamity on you and I will take away your posterity. Do you know what that means? All your offspring, I'm going to wipe out, God says. That there will be no more little Ahabs running around. I'm going to blot you out of the earth. That's the, the pronouncement that comes over him. In this blasting of judgment, Ahab, if you look at Roman numeral three, humbles himself and he fasts. And he prays. That's amazing. Because what's amazing is his actions. They give us some insight. Because what happens for Ahab could happen for you. And I would venture to say that there's nobody here as bad as Ahab. Pretty sure. I might be mistaken. But 
I mean, this was an evil dude. And he fasts and prays. And what ends up happening through fasting is physical humbling of oneself. Through his fast, God has mercy on him. That's amazing to me. I mean, if anybody deserved to be crammed, it's this guy. Him and his wife. And he fasts and prays, and God has mercy. Well, the first thing is fasting, to define it, is a, is a physical humbling of oneself. It's a what? It's a physical humbling of oneself. It's interesting if, to note that we like food. You know, God could, has anybody like food? You can tell by my anatomy, Christmas was good to me. Like I said, I've been feeling like a sugar cookie. We like food. All of our celebrations are surrounding food. Our, our dear brother is going to preach tonight. and We're going to have cake, bless God. Hallelujah. Why? It's just a way of celebrating. You know, God could have fed us through error. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to give you teeth and taste buds. Think about this. Why did God... Oh, yeah, he made you to like bonbons. Yes, he did. Yeah, why did he make food? I mean, he could have done it so that you could just breathe it in and then you'd just be fed. You ready to have a meal? Just... Oh, that was good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, bless this food. He could have fed you that way. That's not how he did it. He did it by you using your teeth. He's given you taste buds. I mean, you like eating. I like eating. Anybody else like eating? And we celebrate with food, and it's awesome. There's some food I don't like, though. I shared the story. It seemed to humor people. Hannah and I were enjoying the holidays, and we were given a wonderful package. Gosh, I hope they're not, I hope the person that gave it to me is not here, but if you are, God bless you, and I'm so sorry. We were given a wonderful package of the finest black licorice there is. Is anybody black licorice fans? All right. God bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so I, I think it was Swiss. It was European for sure. I, is Swiss, who knows? Is it the Swiss that make their Germans? Or something? I mean, it was the finest black licorice. And it had this awesome European box. And it was just like, wow, I haven't had black licorice, licorice in like 25 years. I mean, like a long, long, long time because I hate it. And I remember, I remember somebody feeding it to me and I was like, I couldn't spit it out. It numbed my tongue and I could do every, give me a, give me a sugar cookie, do something. I'm not going to, I don't want black licorice, but it had been 25 years and my tastes have changed. Has anybody's taste changed? I used to like chocolate ice cream. Now I have vanilla. Amen. I used to drink, you know, coffee a certain way. I changed. The coffee ice cream, I like coffee ice cream still, but vanilla is my favorite. Amen. I'm starting even to like dark chocolate. I was a milk chocolate guy all the way. So I thought, you know, 25 years is a pretty long time. And Hannah said, Dad, let's try it. Now, I knew she hated it from when she was a little girl. She's grown up. Some of her tastes have changed also. So we figured let's bust it open and have some of the finest licorice there is. So we open the package and Hannah has one and I have one. I put the package down. I look at it. I'm like, oh, I remember this stuff. Kind of. I throw it in my mouth. I begin to chew it. And it is one of the single most nasty things I have ever tasted, okay? Now, I know you like licorice. I can't stand it. And it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, my hair stands on end. No, we're not talking a, a kind of don't like it. I mean, my hair stands on end. My throat closes. My, my tongue goes numb. And it's like, get it out. You know what I mean? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, a gag reflex is going off. 
even, even by the way that we eat, it's really a picture of self. Yeah, you're not laughing now. It's really a picture of self. I want this, I don't want that. I want to eat this, I, I don't want to eat that. I, I like licorice, I hate licorice. It's a picture of self. And when we fast and when we, when we pray, it's a folding down of our humanity. Listen, you are a spirit with a body. This is going to fade. This is going to, come on, some of your bodies are already beginning to fade. <laughs> Pastor Phil, a good friend of ours, been on staff forever. He said, well, I'm hoping to get rid of my Chester drawers disease. I said, you're what? He said, Chester drawers. You wouldn't understand. He said, when you get older, you understand. I said, what, what is Chester drawers? He said, it's when your chest falls in your drawers. It's called Chester drawers disease. I thought, okay. <laughs> Praise God. Lord, we pray for every person that's struggling with Chester drawers disease. God, yeah, help me. Fasting, it's, it's a way of, I mean, if you don't eat, you die, right? So it's a way of preserving ourselves. I mean, you have to eat. Some people say you, you are what you eat. I don't think that's true. You are what you believe. What you believe is what you do. But if you eat poorly, how many of you know that's going to affect you? But it's not the most important thing, but it is a picture of self. But Jesus said when he fasted for 40 days, he goes into the wilderness. The devil comes to tempt him, and he says to Jesus, Cause these rocks to be made into bread. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What does that mean? That means that, yeah, that food is important. But literally, the word of the Lord is even more important than food. So when we fast, that folding down of our humanity, it's, it's, it's a cry for God's help. And intervention. A cry for God's help and intervention. In 2 Samuel 22, David fasts for a week and his, and his servants say, why are you fasting? And he says, who knows? Perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me. He deserved the judgment that was coming, but he prayed and said, well, maybe the Lord will be gracious to me. Ahab deserved him and his posterity to be wiped out, but he fasts and prays and God relents for him. It came in, in the generation to follow, but at least for him, he was spared. You look at Ezra, when Ezra is called by the Lord to go back to Jerusalem, build a temple. He's got to carry goods, and he's got to go through a very dangerous land where there were marauders. And he knew that there was no way to travel with all the goods and the money and everything that he was going to bring. If he didn't have God's protection, there was going to be no hope for him. And so he fasted and he prayed and he asked for God's help and God's intervention. If you look at the, at the life of Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah hears about the walls of Jerusalem and how they're broken down. And he's grieved and he begins to fast and pray. And that prayer of Nehemiah is so profound. It's so profound. 
He repents for the sins of his fathers. And I will just tell you, if you've never done identificational repentance, you need to. You say, why is that? Because in the book of Deuteronomy, into the Ten Commandments, it says that the, the sins of the fathers is passed down to the third and the fourth generation. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that your daddy sinned, and so did your mom. And those sins can be passed down to your life. And you, the struggle, the difficulty you're having, some of you, even today, is because there's like a demonic energy that's being passed down, if I could say it that way, a demonic empowerment passed down even from the generations. And you think, well, this struggle, this difficulty, this trial, this fight that you're in is just you. But it isn't. Many times it's an overlay of generational iniquity. It's an overlay of generational sin. And unless you deal even with generational... Well, isn't that cut off when I just get saved? No, no, I think you have to appropriate the blood. I think you have to, I think you have to decree it, proclaim it, and walk in it. I come from, on my mother's side, a long line of preachers. Righteous family. <laughs> on dad's side, I come from a long line of pub goers. Irishmen, Irish Catholics, and I'm proud of my Irish heritage. However, I understand the bondage that comes through alcohol. Yes. And I've seen many lives destroyed because of it. Now, I don't drink at all. And the reason I don't drink at all is many reasons. One, coming from a long line of pub goers, it would be incredibly stupid for me to even practice Drinking in moderation because it could hook me. Because there's a gen look, they've they've proven alcoholism. It's in the DNA. They see it. Well, it's just generational sin. You say, well, can't you break that off and then you can drink beer? No, bad idea. I also don't drink because I don't want to be in bondage. And and how would it look if you found your pastor walking out of Fred Myers with a, you know? A couple bottles of Johnny Walker Red. How would it be? Well, if I'm, oh, just my Glenn Levitt, my single won't whiskey. How would it be if I was just going home with my 12 pack of beers and I run into you with a you know, bunch of Bud Dumber? It's Budweiser. Anyway, you get it. Hey, praise the Lord. How you doing? What are you doing? Uh, uh, it's praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. What would you think? You'd think, well, as a pastor, you don't, you know, come on, it's beer batter halibut. Two 12 packs, beer batter halibut. Yeah, no. It's the appearance of evil, and what does that do? It can very, very often just under, undermines people's faith. My wife makes tinctures. How many of you know what that is? Tincture, tincture. I mean, you know what cough syrup is. All right, well, that's a tincture. It's just made with chemicals. These are made with herbs. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Anyway. <laughs> it takes, the, the, the best thing for tinctures is 100 proof vodka. So you know when I go and buy 100 proof vodka? Never. Do I have 100 proof vodka? Absolutely. It's medicinal. My wife has it. She makes tinctures out of it. Cough drops, all kinds of stuff. There's immune boosters and, you know, we're not sitting there doing shots of immune booster. I mean, give, give me a break. <laughs> Any more, than you're, any more than you're drinking scope. You know what I mean? It, hopefully you're not doing that. I do know some people. I know some people, they've drunk, they've had whole parties with scope. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
the point is, is that there's a generational, there's many reasons I don't drink, just some of them. Who, buy, who buys your alcohol, pastor? When my mother-in-law comes. couple in a church previously to coming here and there were there were leaders and uh, up and coming small group leaders they said pastor we'll get it for you I said no 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 that's no they said oh we were getting it all it's no big deal I mean we'll just pick it up for you I said okay so they go to Costco and they pick up the the hundred proof bottle of of Shmirnoff or whatever it was Stolichnaya is what it was, and they pick it up and they're 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 heading for the checkout line, and while they're there with two bottles of a hundred proof vodka, they're pulling up and the, and then one of the other leaders of the church show up. Hey, how are you? Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise God. They're like, are you all right? Oh yeah, praise God. What do you I mean, what are you gonna say? Oh, they're pastors. <laughs> <laughs> so there's it. Oh, yeah, it's good. Are you sure you're okay? Mm-hmm. Can I pray for you? Sure. <laughs> and we all joked. Generational sin, generational iniquity. Nehemiah did identificational repentance. He asked for the sins of the fathers to be forgiven, and he threw himself in with it too. Was it Nehemiah that caused Jerusalem to be overtaken? No. Did he identify with it and repent? Yes. And if you can learn that in your life, to repent for the sins that have gone before you, it'll help you in your battle against sin and in the generation to come. So fasting is, is a cry for God's help and intervention. You also see Esther... You know the story of Esther. She fasts and prays and averts genocide. And the very gallows that were made for the Jews are then used on the enemy. The length of time of which one fasts or how one fasts varies. And turn with me, please, to, to Daniel chapter 10. In the book of Daniel chapter 10... Powerful passage of scripture. Daniel's in captivity in Babylon. He's given a dream and he doesn't know what it means. He has no understanding or revelation about this dream that he knows it comes from God. So in Daniel chapter 10, here's what he does to gain understanding. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name is called Belshazzar. The message was true. The appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I was mourning. So he's, he's looking for greater, greater insight. I was mourning three full weeks. That's 21 days, and that's where we get 21 days from. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, nor wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three full weeks were fulfilled. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Ophaz. His body was like beryl, his face was at the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire. 
His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but great terror fell on them, so that they fled to hide themselves." Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground, and suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands." And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking, I stood trembling. In verse 12, and he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Look at verse 13. Wake the person up next to you. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help. For I've been left alone there with the prince of Persia. And now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. Understand this. That one angel in the day of Hezekiah defeated 185,000 men. So the prince of Persia is not some dude, not some big buff guy holding off an angel. The prince of Persia is the same demonic entity that's operating in Persia today. The same one. And this angel of the Lord, an archangel, mind you, comes in answer to the prayers of Daniel. From the day you set your heart, your words were heard. The first day he started the prayer, his words were heard, and the angel, the angel is sent by God. So there's Daniel. He starts fasting and praying day one. Lord, I need understanding. God says, very good. Go ahead, Gabe. Go give him some understanding. And immediately Gabriel goes into a war. And for 21 days, why would that take place? Why would the devil be so nervous about Gabriel giving understanding to Daniel? Well, the reason is, is that we're actually living in the days in which this very vision's coming about. And many people just think, well, it's just, I don't really believe in demons. It's probably because you got one sitting on you. <laughs> I don't believe in devils. Well, Jesus did. And, and all through scripture you see it. And so here, this angel comes to give a message to Daniel because of his fasting and prayer, and eventually he breaks through. There, Ephesians talks about the spiritual battle that we're in. We war not against flesh and blood. We're in a fight. The apostle Paul said it this way, I long to come with you to you, but Satan hindered me. Fairly anointed guy. The apostle Paul's fairly anointed. I mean, you know, the apostle Paul, he wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He got up after being piled on by a bunch of rocks. He went to the third heaven. I mean, this guy was serious. And if Satan could hinder him, how many of you think it's fairly possible that he could hinder you? How many of you think if he could hinder what God was doing through the Apostle Paul in the church said, how many of you think the devil would like to try to hinder us? 
the church, the vision, the plan, the purpose. Oh, God's got a plan and a purpose for you, but the devil has one too. And you need to take authority and come close to God. We need to rely on his strength and do spiritual warfare and declare and proclaim and decree until we see the kingdom of God, you know, take over basically. That's what we need to do. There's no whistling Dixie Christianity where you just, oh, everything's okay. As you go over the Niagara Falls. That is most Christians. Most Christians just tolerate the bondage that they're in. Don't ever tolerate something that Jesus sets you free from. Most believers are apathetic and lethargic in their walk. They don't understand about generational sin. And they don't understand that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And they just think they're having a bad day. But really it's demonic power getting you to choose the wrong way so you can derail and abort your destiny. Many of you, under the sound of my voice, you struggle with demon power, but you do not even know it exists. You don't realize it. I have been delivered from things I didn't even know I needed deliverance from. You say, how did that happen? When I fasted and prayed. I found God come and set me free from things. I found that after that, I was in the right place at the right time. And the folks that I would have been with, well, they, they went through utter destruction, but somehow I made it through. How's that? Keep us from temptation. God delivered me. God helped me. This next 21 days, once you lace up, get in the game, go for it. I've not come for the robe. I've not come for the ring. I've not come for the crown. I came for the fight. We're going to have revival in this place. We will have revival in this house. We will see a marked outpouring that we will have a 24-hour prayer center. We will see it. That, that, that building that we're going to build, I promise you, it's just not going to roll over and happen. Poof, and it'll be born, you know, just come right out of the soil. And we'll just be like, oh, look, the Lord gave us a building. That's not how that's going to happen. It's going to happen through sacrifice. It's going to happen through fasting and prayer. You say, well, does the regular building industry need to do that? Would they build a gas station or would they build city hall? No. Well, we're not doing that. We're building something that absolutely represents the kingdom of God. It'll be a center of training to send people out in the far-flung corners of the world. A 24-hour prayer house, a house of prayer, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A church that doesn't close. Can you say amen? That when the person who's who's home and, 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 and they're pregnant and they're thinking about getting an abortion says, you know what? I heard about that place. I'm gonna go over there. And they walk into a prayer meeting and get the power of God to touch them. Do you think the enemy wants that to happen? Now listen, I'm not trying trying to promote the enemy. I just know that he's defeated, but we have to enforce his defeat. We have to enforce even violently. Heaven rewards spiritual violence. Heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You know that scripture. What that means is there's a spiritual violence 
that you say, my whole household will be saved. Any, every one of my kids will serve God. My family's blessed. My marriage is blessed. There is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me shall be condemned. I will fulfill what God called me to by the grace of God, by the power of God, by your enablement. I will not be defeated. I will go on to fulfill what you called me to do. We will see revival. And if it means death, so be it. We're going to see God's kingdom come in power, but it's not going to happen by a limp-wristed, apathetic, lethargic, lukewarm Christianity. Let's close in prayer. I'm just kidding. Almost, almost. I'll just preach myself happy right there. Length of Time, one fast, or how one fast varies. Daniel, he, he fasted 21 days, and he ate vegetables. He didn't eat meat. He didn't eat sweets. So what kind of fast should I do? I just want to make sure you don't die early, so check with your doctor if you're seeing one. You're on medication. Amen. It's all kinds of different sort of fasts. And you're fasting to basically get God's attention not man's. You have his attention, but it's, it's a folding down of your humanity. It's a way of putting away yourself and saying, I want you more than I want bonbons. I need you more than I need, G- need Giardelli's chocolate. Come on, God, I need some help. That's, that's different. A hunger and thirst for God. Mourning. You say, what do I have to mourn about? How about mourning that you don't have the kind of power how about mourning that you don't have the kind of power it takes to set that person that's addicted that you know? You've prayed for them a hundred times. They're still not free. How about that? How about mourning over that? How about mourning over your own sin? The sins of the fathers. So I've been pretty good. Well, pretty good ain't getting it. Of course, Jesus paid the price for us, but you mourn over your sin. Repentance is an ongoing thing. And if you look at B, God's response to Ahab's fasting shows that he's merciful and full of grace. If you write that in the blank. Series on amazing grace. You can release God's grace by praying. Hebrews says, boldly coming before his throne, finding mercy and grace. Grace is released through prayer as well. And things can change if we fast and pray. Changed for what Daniel did in the natural caused a spiritual breakthrough and a spiritual and a, and a natural breakthrough that we are actually now living in. What Daniel did all those years ago for 21 days brought a breakthrough. The breakthrough you could have could affect your life, oh yes, but it could also affect the generations to come should the Lord tarry and certainly affect the region, the territory that we're living in now. God speaking to us as my worship team comes. If God can show grace and mercy on Ahab, he can show grace and mercy to you, you ugly thing. Yes, he can. He can. He can help us. He can help you. Come on, say, God can help me. Yeah. Did you call me ugly? No. But don't miss it. If, if God did it for Ahab, he's not a respecter of persons. He can do it for you. He can do it for me. He can do it for us. Fasting prayer is a giving over of ourselves in greater measure to seek God's purposes fulfilled.
And lastly, God desires to give us breakthrough. God desires to give us breakthrough. He said, well, it's going pretty good, isn't it? It is. Can you imagine now if we throw another log on the fire? Come on, we just press in. Every year we do it. Won't you join us? Ushers, would you assist us in the passing out of those cards? I know, I know I would not be saved if it wasn't for my mother. And I, I think I have to ask her, I'll ask her tonight. She's visiting with us for three weeks. I think she did uh, three or four 21-day fasts, nearly, nearly back-to-back, and then two 40-day fasts. And it was then that God, God snatched me out. God, God just brought me out of where I was, and it was a deep, ugly place. I know. I know that I'm breathing because my mama prayed and fasted. I think about all the, the countless obstacles and challenges that we've had on the way. And you know what? I thank God for them. You, we wouldn't even know what real joy is unless you went through pain. Not that I want any more of it. But thank God. You know, men of God, women of God, they're made in the fire. Some of you are in the midst of the fire. If you'll fast and pray, God will bring you out with a strong hand, with a mighty deliverance. Isaiah 58 talks about true fasting and false fasting. You say, well, I, I can't fast. Well, how about fasting negativity? Can you try that? Try fasting that. That'd be a good thing to fast all year long. But just go for 21 days. Say nothing negative. Say no negative thing. Some of you just tear your own lives down by your own words. Come on, life and death is in the power of the, the tongue. The Bible says in the Old Testament, it says, I'll, I create the fruit of your lips. He says to the tribes, uh, the, the, the 10 spies that come back from looking at the promised land, it says we seemed like grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were like grasshoppers. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And let me tell you what you think about yourself, you're saying it. You say it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You just got to get a hold of who you really are in God. By His grace, you're a new creation. You remember that message? A new creation. Amen. But you still need to transform your mind. I have had demonic bondages broken off of my mind that I didn't even know I had, that when I fasted and prayed, God revealed them and He broke them off. Hallelujah! Grandma, you feeling better? You feeling better? Oh, you look just like me. Well, Father, we pray for complete healing. Is she? <laughs> Would you give her a big hug for me and wish her Happy New Year? Father, we pray for complete 100% healing. Complete 100% healing in Jesus' name. Healer, I pray. Hallelujah. We're glad to have you today. Come on. Jesus said... Jesus said, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. What if he didn't pray? What if he didn't pray for Peter? Then his faith might not have made it. We can fast and pray and see things change. There is nothing that's impossible with God. Every circumstance, they're all temporal. You know what temporal means? Temporal. It means subject to change. So if you're facing a big, ugly, giant Philistine, it's subject to change. If you're facing cancer, it's subject to change. 
If you can see it, it's subject to change. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, just pray. Ask God what you should do. We're believing for 10,000 collective days of fasting. Three meals fasted makes one day. And if it's, it's too confusing for me, but I'm just going to go for it for 21 days. I'm going to fast and pray. Don't get all prideful about it either. I used to do that. Last year, I'm just kidding. My walk, my, my walk early on in my walk would be like, so what kind of fast are you doing? They'd be like, I'm doing a Daniel fast. No meat, no sweets, no coffee. I'd be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, water. But the funniest one was my dear friend, Dotson Imakita. I, I knew I had him trumped because I was going to do just water. So I said, so, you fasting? He goes, yeah. He says to me, what are you doing? I said, I'm fasting. Everything. Just water is what I'm going to drink. Water. He says, oh, really? I'm fasting everything. I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm not eating, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to have anything. I said, dude, you better not do that too long. It's an absolute fast. There's absolute, no water, no food. It's 40-day fast, 21-day fast, 3-day fast, 7-day fast. Come on, jump in. It's easy to do it, easier to do it when we're doing it corporately. Ushers are going to come, and if you would be sure you're going to participate, would you pass those cards and make sure you got an email on there? So we want to be in agreement when we're fasting and praying. We'll send you an e a letter of what we're praying for corporately, and you want to talk to your spouse or your family. Come on, what are we what are we believing for? You get an agreement with your spouse about what you're agreeing in prayer for, and then you pray and be a part of these times of prayer that we have. We got one coming up, 24-hour prayer, going to start at Friday morning and go all night. Yeah. On Jesus. Church will be open. There's people praying, armed guards. It'll be awesome. Don't miss it. Ushers, would you come, please? And those, so those cards, you just turn them into the eye desk, or one of the ushers will be standing there with a bucket. You just drop it in on the way out, and we'll be sure to put you on the fasters list. Pray for you that grace would be released to you. Let's go ahead and take communion. Would you all stand with us as the ushers are coming? As soon as they're all set, they're coming. Would you begin to come from that back row and just come up and peel off? It's an open communion, serving grape juice and crackers as representative of the broken body and blood of Jesus. Come on, let's all worship him as we're served.
right with God. Won't you be reconciled? Won't you be forgiven right now? Ask God to forgive you for your sin. He made a way for you. He died on a cross. He rose again from the grave for you. Come on. Just repent. Give your life to Him. If you've done that before, maybe you've drifted away, but you used to serve the Lord, won't you come home on this first Sunday in 2015? Give your heart to Jesus all across this place. If you're giving your heart to the Lord for the first time or in recommitment, just pray with me. Say right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. I thank you that you died in my place and you rose again from the grave for me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you touch each and every person. You'd fill them. Give us a hunger for your word. Hunger for the things of God. And Lord, I thank you that on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it and you said, this is my body which is broken for you. And in likewise manner, you took the cup and you blessed it. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So today, we remember that you died for our sin. And we remember, Lord, that it's by your stripes we're healed. 
we remember, God, that you're coming back for your church. You'll return for your bride. And Lord, again, we ask you, as we examine our hearts, to forgive us. Come on, examine your heart. Some of you got wrong attitudes, wrong motives. You examine your heart. Forgive us, Lord, for wrong attitudes, motives, perhaps prayerlessness or grieving you. Where you spoke to us and we didn't listen and we didn't obey. Forgive us. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Forgive us, God. remember, God, that you are coming back. We say thank you. We receive your healing. We receive your forgiveness right now. If we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive that right now. In Jesus' name, let's eat and drink. Well, I hope, I hope that you got something from the text and the message today. Again, don't miss tonight. Our dear brother, Pastor Scott, Rachel Phillips is going to be ministering. It's going to be a powerful time of celebration and going to bring the word. Six o'clock it starts. My commissioned leaders have got a five o'clock meeting as a reminder. Spread the word. Let's go ahead and close. Amen. You blessed? Happy New Year, everybody. Praise the Lord. May God strengthen us as we set our hearts to fast and pray over these next 21 days. We pray and ask for release of grace. Release your grace to fast and to pray that we would see great breakthroughs in the natural and in the spirit. Even as it says in Joel, and afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters prophesy, old men will dream dreams. Afterwards, after what? After fasting and prayer comes the outpouring of the Spirit. Do it, God, I pray. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards each and every one. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you tonight. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival. 